Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Oxford Baptist Church. We pray you'll be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. Amen, amen. Thank you for that beautiful, beautiful music. God bless you. I'm so glad to be with you on this Sunday morning. Incidentally, this is a cooperative program Sunday. 1925, the cooperative program was established, and through the cooperative efforts of Southern Baptists, we have sent missionaries all over the world, local, home, and foreign. It's been my privilege to be with them in many areas of the world. It's just unbelievable how God has used Southern Baptists to join their hands of faith together across this planet and send so many men and women to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to think about something this morning as I share with you from the book of Acts. Chapter 1, verse 8 is our focal passage. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You may turn there. I'm going to read Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. And I'm going to conclude... Uh, with verse 11. Of course, this is the last words of Jesus Christ. Last words are important. We need to listen to every word of Christ, but particularly these last words. He's speaking to the disciples. Dr. Luke, led of the Holy Spirit of God, is writing. So when they had come together, the disciples asked Him, Lord... Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth." And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him Go into heaven. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for all of the blessings that you have given us through your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And now this morning, Heavenly Father, may all of us here who have already worshipped in spirit through all this beautiful music and sharing, May we really have an opportunity to come in the presence of the Holy God. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would move in this place and move in our hearts. And that we would pay close attention to the words of our Savior. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. And thank you for being such a wonderful Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it is important that we listen to last words. Copernicus. Uh, here is an interesting statement made about him. This is his epitaph. 
He said, I do not seek the kindness equal given to the Apostle Paul, nor do I ask for the grace that was given to Peter. But listen to what he says. But that forgiveness which you granted to that robber, I earnestly crave. Now, Copernicus, his calculations, his mathematician's mind uh, changed the whole course of, of, of the world. He was a very bright man. You know, this bright man knew that he needed Jesus Christ. Some years ago, I was in Texas and uh, had the opportunity to speak at a church, kind of a mission church. It was having a difficult time. And uh, there was an engineer in that church from MIT. Uh, and uh, he came and talked to me after the service. And uh, he and his son had not uh, spoken together in quite some time. And uh, he asked me for some advice. Well, I did uh, speak to him for about, I don't know, 30 minutes or so. And then uh, asked him to come back that evening early. And I found out uh, from him... And a close friend, uh, the son's name, number, and address. So I got the son to come also 15 minutes later after the father. He too, an engineer from MIT. And they sat down in my office, uh, not both at the same time. And uh, a knock came on the door as I was speaking to one, the father. I went to the door and opened it up. The son came in and they saw each other. And it was kind of like, Wow! What's going on here? And they, they really didn't know what. It's kind of awkward. Father, son, awkward. Two MIT graduates. As a matter of fact, one of them helped design the Black Hawk helicopter. And just very brilliant people. And uh, to make a long story short, I just started sharing with them the need for uh, reconciliation. You know, forgiveness sometimes uh, uh, is instantaneous. But to reconcile, it takes a little while. And so a little while had passed. I said, how long has it been since y'all have had a real good conversation with each other? They said, a little over a year. I said, aren't you ready for that? They got really quiet. And as we began to talk and I began to share with them the need for reconciliation and what that really means theologically and what it means absolutely in their relationship, uh, all of a sudden the sun got tears in his eyes. And the Spirit of God began to move on the Father. And to make this story even shorter, about ten minutes later, they were both on their knees asking God to forgive them. And they were hugging each other and embracing each other and asking each other for forgiveness because of their attitude and their actions. Now, I want to tell you something. Copernicus knew he needed the Lord. Uh, very bright people who are engineers from MIT knew they needed to reconcile and it wasn't a good witness for the Lord Jesus Christ being in the state of relationship they were in. And I'm just going to tell you something. All of us need to know how much we need Jesus Christ and how important it is for us to be a good witness. Now, as we move forward, I want you to think of something. Think of a person who had some influence in your life, whether it be young, whether it be middle-aged, or in my case, a young adult. 
Uh, I was 26 years old before I came to know Christ as my Savior. So I want you to think of a person who was really influential in your life, who witnessed to you, and from that witness, the seed of the gospel was planted, and now you're here today. Can you call those names? Can you think about it? I have several. One's my Uncle Jack. Well, when I was just a little boy, Jack was my first teenager in my life. We all lived together during World War II. But I want to tell you something. When Jack married and moved away, we separated. He became an on-fire Christian. And he used to come to my house about supper time uh, and uh, speak to me and my wife. And the first thing he'd say is, uh, how's your week been? How's your day been? And then he'd start talking about Jesus Christ. And so... We would hear the car door slam, and we'd say, well, it's Jack. Jack's back. But I want to tell you something. When I came to know Christ as my Savior and Lord, one of the first persons I wanted to talk to was Uncle Jack. Uh, he meant so very much to me. There was a young boy that I was reading about. He was a, a fighter during the Boer War. It was a war between England and two tribes in Africa. Uh, about... Uh, 1998, and it ended in, and, uh, two years later, three years later. But this guy was wounded mortally, and the chaplain in this English regiment, uh, came up to him and prayed with him. And the young boy said, uh, I want you to write my mother and tell her I died a Christian. And then he said, I want you to write my Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Fletcher, and I want you to tell her that I still remember the Sunday school lessons that she taught me. Do you know that some of the things that you've said and some of the things that you've done, you may not really realize the impact they've had on the lives of others. Mrs. Fletcher wrote back to the chaplain and said, Oh my, she said, I gave up teaching some years ago because I thought that what I was doing was literally in vain. Listen, don't ever give up. As we read the Scripture this morning, Jesus Christ died for us. He went all the way to the cross of Calvary, was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, and on the third day, He rose victorious over sin, over death, and over the grave. Our Lord Jesus Christ is real. And so, as we read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that great resurrection chapter, and all that God has done for us, Paul said, therefore, understand this, I want you, brethren, to be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let's look at that just for a moment. Steadfast, fixed, determined, purposeful, faithful, unmovable, unshakable, undisturbed, unyielding, standing on the solid rock of belief. Always, that means never stop, never give up, never quit, never retire. Do you know some people have asked me, uh, Brother Ronnie, you know, you just, uh, you're, you're kind of like Energizer Bunny. You just keep on keeping on. You know what, I think that's what we're all supposed to do, amen? We're to keep on keeping on until Jesus comes. Labor. Oh, man. Working to the point of fatigue is the absolute meaning of that word. Also, even to the point of collapse is what the Apostle Paul said. Just keep on keeping on. Don't ever stop working 
for the Lord. Because, listen, He gave His all for you. He never stopped. He went all the way. Incidentally, and this is absolutely phenomenal, because of Jesus Christ and Him coming into our life, we have not only been forgiven of our sins, we have a new life. We do. We have a whole new life. Now, we all have biological life by us, but Jesus Christ came to give us zoe. Zoe, that's life everlasting. It never will uh, stop. That's the eternal life. And listen, I want to tell you something. We have zoe right now. You know, because if you're a child of God, you're never going to die. You say, well, Brother Ronnie, I've been to a lot of funerals. But I want you to know this. In Jesus Christ, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You believe that? We're never going to die. That's why it's so important for us to keep on, keep it on. Be a witness for the Lord. Now, Jesus was taken up into heaven. The disciples were standing around. And two men in white apparel. Guess who they were? (laughs) You know, could they be angels? Yes. And they said, you men of Galilee? Who? Me? Yeah, you. Why are you standing here gazing up into heaven for this same Jesus that is taken up from you is going to come back again in like manner? Now, incidentally, there... There's two words in the Greek language, Koine Greek for same. One's close representative or one's the exact replica. You know, so it's the same one going and the same one coming. Amen? He's going to come back. He's going to be with you. Jesus said to the men, I want you to stay here in Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And when He does, you're going to receive power. Power. Now that Greek word is dunamis. That's where we get our word dynamite. We're going to receive power after He comes. When the person of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, everything changes. It really does. When Jesus came into my life, my life changed. And when Jesus came into your life, your life changed. So the believer's power is not on our own. I'm glad that God didn't say, All right, guys. All right, girls and ladies, listen. Uh, you're on your own now. Just go out there and do the very best you can. No. He said, no matter where we go, I'm going to be with you even until the end of the age. No matter where you go, I'm going to be right there with you, and I'm going to give you power to witness. We're not alone. He said, in that same hour when you stand up with me and for me, I'm going to put words in your mouth. I'm going to be there with you all the way. Uh, No political kingdom is coming, guys. They were looking for Israel to come and be once again established as a real powerhouse. The disciples were. And Jesus said, no, that's, that's not it. I'm going to give my presence and my power to you. The Spirit of God is going to come upon you. And then you are going to be my witnesses. We're going to witness Uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So now, listen to me just for a moment. Are you listening? Okay. We can't do anything without the Spirit. 
Did you know that? Have you ever tried to do something and your spirit didn't lead you to do it? Man, it's worse than making a mud pie. It just don't work out, does it? But listen, when the Spirit of God is in control and when the Spirit of God is leading, it's just amazing how things work out. I just remember old Clovis Chapel said one time, when I pray in the Spirit, when the Spirit leads me, he said it is amazing how coincidences happen. But he said, you know what, when I don't pray and, and the Spirit's not in leading me, it's amazing also how coincidences don't happen. I'm just going to tell you something, folks. When the Spirit of God leads you and empowers you, it is an awesome thing. Listen, we're saved by the Spirit of God. Jesus said, no man comes to me unless the Father draw him. When the Spirit of God comes and draws you in your spirit and your heart, salvation becomes the work of God is not of your work, lest any man should boast. So even being saved, the Spirit of God comes into you by the very sovereignty and power of God. Amen? Or listen to this. Then He seals me. When He comes into me, He seals me. He makes me His child of God. He puts me in a big seal. One time when I was young uh, preaching, you remember those balls that came out that you could blow up? Uh, big things that a human could get them. You could roll down a hill. I was preaching a sermon to a bunch of college kids, and I got to this point, and I said, He just seals you. He engulfs you. And about that time, they rolled some guy through the aisle in one of those balls. And it went over like a lead ball. But anyway, I thought it was a good thing. But I just want you to know something, folks. He seals you. And then the Bible says that He becomes our earnest in heaven. You ever put down any earnest money? Any binding money on a deal? Jesus said, I'll tell you what, when the Spirit comes, ah, it's awesome. Uh, Not only does He save you, but He seals you until the day of redemption. What an awesome thing it is to know the very presence and power of God. Now listen to this, and I don't have time to do this, but I'll do it for you later. We can't operate anyway except in the Spirit. The Spirit of God, the Bible tells us, we can't even worship without the Spirit. You know, in John 4, at the woman of the well, when Jesus was talking to her, and she pointed to the mountain and said, our fathers worship there, y'all worship in Jerusalem. Jesus, there's coming a day when geographic worship doesn't matter, because those who worship God will worship God in spirit and in truth. Amen? So we worship in the Spirit. If today God speaks to your heart, if today you are encouraged, if today something good happens to you, it is because of the Spirit of the living God moving in your heart. Not only do we worship in the Spirit, uh, Paul tells us in his writings that we walk in the Spirit. We just walk in the Spirit. If we please Him every day of our life, we get up and in our devotion time, we say, God, today I want to be a witness to You. I want You to use me. May I walk in the Spirit. And then in Romans chapter 1, verse 9, Paul says this about it. He said, this God that I know whom I serve in my Spirit. In other words, we walk 
We worship and we work in the Spirit. If anything brings honor and glory to God, it is simply because the Spirit of God is leading us. Now, I said that to say this. If the Spirit of God is leading us and He's all-powerful, it shouldn't be too difficult for us to witness. It shouldn't be too hard for us to go. Oh, it is, though, isn't it? I don't know why. What's happened to Southern Baptists? What's happened to us as Christians? Uh, We've got to be a little bit better about witnessing. Amen? Now, my job is not to beat you over the head with a big blue Bible. Incidentally, I forgot my Bible, so I'm going to beat you over the head with my iPad. But it is to encourage you, basically, to let's get on with getting on. Amen? Now, not only did Jack, my Uncle Jack, uh, keep telling me about Christ and God used him as an instrument to plant the seed, but I could begin to look at all these people that came into my life. I remember one time when I was a little boy uh, during World War II going down to Tabernacle Baptist Church in Macon, Georgia. First time I ever went to church and I remember holding my cousin's hands. Incidentally, they were all female. I grew up with a bunch of females. But anyway, we were going into the church and they, they set us all down. And I remember the teacher teaching a story about Jesus feeding the multitude. And she had a board up there and she talked about Jesus. She stuck him on the board. Well, man, let me tell you something. We've got computers and everything now that just blow our minds. But back then, a flannel board was just almost too much to comprehend. They just stuck him up there and he stayed. You know? I looked at that and, and then after we went through all those stories and had our little time together, they gave me ice cream. I said, man, I love church. You know? Then when I was in the fourth grade, my family didn't go to church, by the way. When I was in the fourth grade, I was in Albany, Georgia. And uh, there was a, a man there that taught youth and children, and he had a Nash Metropolitan. Do you know what they are? A little bit, it looks like it got hit from the rear and the front at the same time by an 18-wheeler. You know, uh, He'd come by every Saturday, visit our home, make sure I was coming to Sunday school. One day we had a fellowship out at Chee Hall Park. And he said, a little boy, he said, you want to drive this car? And I said, what? And I sat there and straight shift, little Nash Metropolitan. Of course, he was, he was helping. He don't never know how much that meant to me. But let me tell you something. I was able to go back and speak to all these people after Jesus came into my life. That same church have asked me to come twice to be their interim pastor. That woman that did that flannel board has gone home to be with the Lord now. But I'll tell you one thing. I did revivals and marriage conferences in that church. And she sat in that church. And with tears in her eyes, I would look at her and say, Thank you for telling me about Jesus. Amen? Amen. Have you thought of somebody? It's so important to witness. But you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. The Spirit of God, let me tell you, when He comes into your life, He'll change things. Do you know what makes a body of Christ really grow when we start loving each other like we've never loved each other and when we fall back in love with Jesus? Just fall in love with Jesus and each other. I'll tell you what, there's just nothing like it 
When we become magnetic for the Master, and the Spirit of God and the love of God is flowing freely through us, you don't have to write on billboards. People say, there's something different about those people. There's something different about that person. He's just loving and kind. There's just something different about her. She's just, I don't know how to explain it, but when you're around her, you just feel happy. Now, I was uh, fatigued. Do you ever get fatigued? The Georgia word for that is just plumb wore out. You know, I had a veterinarian in my church, and one time I went down to his office and was laid on the table, examining table. He came in and he said, Dr. Spillers, what are you doing? I said, I'm dog tired. I need help. Yeah. Well, the deacons had seen how hard we'd worked, and so they got together. This is in Texas, and they, they sent me and my wife to the Astrodome. I mean, you go in there, and it just blows your mind. The guys hit a baseball, they go up and never hit anything. I mean, it's just unbelievable, you know. So we were over to a place eating supper, just she and I. And we were the first ones there. And this young man came in, and he looked down at me, and he said, Sir, may I ask you a question? I said, You certainly can. He said, Are you a preacher? And I looked up at him and I said, yes, I am. He said, somehow, when I came by you, I needed to stop. You know, listen, uh, he sat down, the manager came back, and I said, sir, I said, give us just a few minutes. He was so confused. He was going to Houston Baptist College, and he was so confused. And I got an opportunity to sit there and talk to that young man as the Spirit led us. And he put his hands in my hands, and we prayed, and he got his life straight with the Heavenly Father right there in that restaurant. Wow! And after it was all over with, I asked my wife, I said, is there a certain odor about preachers? (laughs) That's happened to me more than once. I was leaving Atlanta going to to Fort Worth, Texas, to a, a seminar that the seminary put on. It was Scholars in Ministry Week. All of us who have doctorate degrees, they, we used to go once every year for a think tank. I love Texas, so I had on my, I pastored there so many years. I had on my cowboy coat. I had on my, my uh, boots. You know, I had on my cowboy shirt, my bolo tie. You know, I mean, I, I really looked like George Strait. Had on my hat. And we're, we're flying now. Delta. This stewardess just stops by me. And I said, uh, yes, ma'am. She said, are you a preacher? Now, do you think I look like one? And I mean, that was before I turned into Colonel Sanders. I mean, I had black hair. And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, would you come with me? And I looked at her and said, what? She said, would you please come with me? We're, we're having a little problem up here. I said, yeah. I, you know, I heard that old joke about planes going down and they throwed preachers off first. <laughs> you know, I didn't really know if that's what was going to happen or not. But I did go with her, and there was no one in first class. Right up in the jump seat in first class, in the first seat, there was a stewardess there just bawling her eyes out. 
She and her husband were just about ready to divorce. She'd been searching for answers, and we talked. It took about an hour and 45 minutes from Atlanta to Fort Worth, Texas. And somewhere across that uh, place, going to Fort Worth, Texas, uh, she finally got peace in her heart. She prayed and asked Christ to come into her life. The steward is standing up, prayed and asked Christ to come into her life. And uh, she said, I'm going to give uh, my life to Christ. He's the only way this is going to work out. To make a long story short, uh, they joined Peachtree City First Baptist Church, and they were baptized and have been members of that church for years. They did not divorce. They reconciled. And they, kind of like a fairy tale, lived happily ever after. You just don't ever know! That's why it's so important to be prayed up and uh, be led of the Spirit of God. He said, I'm going to be with you. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't back up. Men? Who, me? Yeah. He's already told you to go be witnesses. It's time to go. One of the things I liked about that, too, uh, secondly, is he said the method really... Is to bloom where you planted. In other words, go and be bloomed where you... Jerusalem. Now, I know sometimes Jerusalem is the hardest place to witness because everybody knows you. Isn't that right? Man, when I went back to military school where I graduated, and they knew I was a preacher and I was going to speak, and they introduced me, Dr. Ronnie Spillers, all those teachers, everybody looked and goes, there's got to be a God. You know, when we marched, I made up bad songs, you know. And I'm just going to tell you something. When Christ comes and the Spirit is deposited in your soul, you change. You do. The method is be a witness in Jerusalem. I've had many people to say to me, I never dreamed in a thousand years that you'd be a preacher. Some years ago, I went to the hospital to visit my brother-in-law who was having emergency surgery. And the lady in the reception area saw me and she said, Are you Ronnie Spillers? And I said, Yes, ma'am. And I turned around and I looked and it was a girl I went to high school with. Way back yonder in Baldwin County. And she said, I would have never dreamed in a million years that you would have become a preacher. Let me tell you something. You just don't know how many people you've touched. When you got up this morning, and it was cold, wasn't it? When you got up this morning, you know, and overcame the temptation of, of staying in a warm bed, got in your car, drove out of your driveway, those neighbors around you said, well, even in cold weather, dry weather, rainy weather, they're going to church. You're still a witness. When we park on this parking lot and people pass us, it's a witness. When we decide to let Jesus have first place in our life, we become a real witness. Amen? You know, it is so important that we become a witness. I like that conclusion. Isaiah said, here am I, send me. 
in Isaiah chapter 6. Hear my sin me, not spare me. Uh, listen, I just think Oxford Baptist Church, brothers and sisters in Christ, as I told those MIT graduates, you know, it's just not rocket science. It's just loving God. Let the Spirit of God lead you in your heart and just do what He says. Because when He tells you to do something and you do it, you will never be sorry. I know you all read the story in 1959 of uh, Jim Elliott, the Wycliffe Bible translator, and his friends who were killed by the Yucca Indians in Ecuador. Listen to his last entry in his diary. Last entry. Lord, make me a minister of flame of fire. And then he concluded by saying, Am I ignitable? Well, I want to ask you something. How, how long has it been since you said, Lord, here am I, send me? I want, I want to be a witness. I, I want to do what you would have me to do. And you know what, what is so important is the reality that those are the last words of Jesus to do exactly what He told us to do. Just do it. Just do it. No, I'm not talking to you, Siri. Huh? It, it, that's the first time I've ever used this. And Siri says, who, me, what? <laughs> yes, Siri, give your heart to Jesus. <laughs> you know... I had a real fantastic ending, and Siri just blew it for me. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened. On Easter Sunday morning, 1967, when I was giving my life to Christ, and I went to the church and told the pastor, and we announced it to the church, the things that ran through my mind were Uncle Jack... And you couldn't forget Uncle Jack because he had six children. When he showed up, it was a mess. You know. I remember Uncle Jack telling me all those years, hey, you need to give your life to Jesus. Incidentally, Jack went to seminary, southwestern, same place I went to. When he pastored the church before he went to seminary, they called me too. to be. I followed my Uncle Jack in that church. They said, well, we've had one spillers. Might as well spill again. Uh, I've had so many people who didn't even realize it would say little things or do little things that just absolutely reached out and grabbed my spirit. And I have tried through the years to, to contact them and to let them know how much that meant to me. Have you ever done that? That person you were thinking about that meant so much to you or shared with you, if they're still alive, it would be so neat if you were to just share with them how much their witness meant to you and what it did in a life-changing way. There's just nothing, just nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Benjamin Franklin said one time, and I'm not too sure about old Ben's, a personal relationship with Christ, but he said, you know, 
you'd be a fool not to embrace the tenets of Christianity because look at the benefits, you know. And I think from that perspective, he was right. But from a deeper perspective, there's nothing like being in relationship with Jesus Christ through the person of the Holy Spirit. Do you know Him? Have you given your life to Him? Have we been consistently disciplined, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our work is not in vain? I pray that God would speak to our spirit and our heart. And if there's things that we need to say or do or whatever takes place, follow the Spirit's leading in your life. Fall back in love with Jesus Christ like never before. And then love each other. And then when we join our hands of faith together, we'll just be magnetic for the Master. Other people will stop and say, and this happened to you too, are you a Christian? It's happened, hasn't it? Yes, many times. There's a difference in your life. In just a moment, I'm going to give an invitation. If you're here and you've received Christ as your Savior, and there might be a, a need for you right now to, to just say, God, I, I need to be a witness. I, I, I need to have my cross up to date in my life. And today I'm going to make that commitment. That would be a wonderful commitment to make. If you're here this morning and the Spirit of God has brought you to Christ and you've confessed your sins and you want to follow Him in believer's baptism, that'd be awesome too. Would you come this morning and say, I know Jesus in my heart and I want to follow Him in believer's baptism. And then you might want to be a part of this church family. There are a lot of loving people here. And we'll include you. We need you. We need each other. Whatever the Lord tells you to do in these next few minutes, do it. You'll never be sorry. Let's stand together. We pray God will use this message for His glory in your life. If you would like more information, please feel free to contact us at info at OxfordBaptistChurch.com. Oxford Baptist Church is located in Oxford, Georgia. If you're close, we'd love to meet you.